Welcome uh, to week three of Theology Matters. Uh, it's good to have you all out. I think either as the, the traffic gets worse or the weather gets nicer, I feel like our numbers have, have diminished a bit. But this is uh, the faithful remnant is here, and I'm <laughs> glad and grateful that you guys are all here for this, uh, this week's class. Just a, a few quick announcements. Um, if you do, uh, is anyone parked in the Laz lot across the street? There's probably enough space in the back. But if you do, remember, we always have these validation tickets that you can use and feed into the machine so that you don't have to pay at the last lot. Uh, as always, we have coffee and dessert. And with our numbers tonight, that means extra dessert for everyone. So, uh, so there's, a, there's a bright side there. Um, uh, also, remember, please feel free to visit our, uh, our uh, Theology Matters uh, page, which is on our website. There you can download podcasts, uh, and also get these slides that I've prepared. You can actually download them and see them as well. So if you miss a class or want to go back and see something, uh, our communication team has done an incredible job of getting stuff up. And once the course is over, uh, the, the, lecture, the live course is over, we'll then begin to produce the digital version of the course where you'll have uh, the videos and all that stuff. Um, one other word of, a, of, of kind of public service announcement before we get started into our official material for tonight. Uh, you'll probably have noticed that the content of this class feels a little bit different than what we've done in the past. This is not the Ten Commandments. This is not the Bible says it, that settles it. This is really, really different. I think the material that we're talking about probably uh, is maybe more unfamiliar uh, to a lot of you. Uh, and it's, uh, it's more about culture, and particularly popular culture and, and Christian culture than it is about Bible or, or biblical studies. And I want you to know uh, that, that uh, it's a risk. I know that it's a bit of a risk to have done this topic, but it was a calculated one. Uh, and I just wanted to say why I chose to do it. Um, one is uh, the stuff we're talking about, from the four laws to the Bible zines to the forms of the church that we'll talk about tonight, even to the Christian theme parks, which we'll talk about next week, they tend to be not very familiar within the walls of this sort of church. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if most of you had never seen a Bible zine or had never visited a Christian theme park, right? <coughs> but outside the walls of these churches, in fact, you travel eight miles north from here, and the sorts of things we're talking about are thick in the Christian culture of Roswell, Alpharetta, that even Buckhead in many, many ways. And so part of the purposes of this class, even though it's familiar and a bit strange, is to familiarize yourself with what's out there in the Christian culture, particularly here in the Bible Belt, uh, just so that we're aware of it, so that we know how to think about it, where it's coming from, what its motivations are. So there's a certain just kind of cultural uh, literacy that I hope emerges out of this class. But the second reason for doing it, even though it's a bit risky, is that I also want to uh, begin to, to think about how to respond. I think a lot of folks at this church will encounter a Bible zine and, and fairly intuitively will say, Ugh. Or, even if it's not that strong, you might say, okay, but that's not for me, or I don't love it. But, but it's hard to say why exactly, right? It's hard to kind of articulate the theological reason we might not love the form of the Bible zine or the summary of the four laws. So though some of us might love the Bible zine and the four laws too, and that is wonderful, and I want to provide a platform for you to be able to say why it does resonate with you. So part of it is, is to then to kind of give the reason, if we don't like it, why we don't like it, but also um, is to do so in a very charitable way. Uh, in the church today, I think people disagree very poorly. 
I have no problem with the fact that people disagree, but in the past 10 years, folks in the church have disagreed very poorly through generalizations, name-calling, church splits, denomination splits. It, it doesn't always have to be that way. There's a way to be charitable with one another. There's a way to be charitable even with artifacts of everyday religion that we might not love or feel comfortable with. There's still something to learn from them. Even if we have some gentle pushback or even sometimes some not-so-gentle pushback, I want to also understand better where these things are coming from to, to highlight the fact that there are good, genuine, faithful people behind these things, even if we don't like what they look like or what they do. So part of it then is to have a response, but to have a charitable response. And so I hope in this course that, that you're picking up on some of that, and in that sense it is, um, it's helpful. But in either case, when Theology Matters returns in the fall, which it will return in the fall, uh, it may be in some slightly different forms. We're, we're kind of brainstorming and thinking about that. We'll also be returning to more Ten Commandments-like classes. So if that was more of your cup of tea, then there's much more of that uh, in the future. So thus ends my public service <laughs> announcements. Um, it's great to have you all here tonight. Let me pray, and then we'll begin officially. God, it is good to be gathered as friends, as fellow disciples, as fellow students of your word, we pray that you open our minds and our hearts, that we can engage this Christian culture in which we live, that we might better understand it, might better respond to it, and more uh, fully engage and know who you are and how we're to live in this Christian life that you've called us to. We pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to go back to my spot now. In the light. In the light. I need to I was say, working on my tan. Um, All right. Okay, let's begin. Sure. We're good? All right, let's begin. Session five the drive in and drive through church. Since the early 20th century, the open road has been an important symbol in the cultural identity of American citizens. What it means to be American is literally embedded in the cars we buy, the roads we drive on, and the sorts of things we do along the way. For instance, what could be more American than a 1970 Ford Thunderbird, or a 1967 Pontiac GTO, or a 1976, this is my favorite, Cadillac Eldorado convertible? I suspect that some of you here might have had some experience with these cars. These cars, uh, or I want to say we are what we drive, I think, in American culture. Or think of famous Route 66, one of America's original highway stretching from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. It's still known as the Main Street of America. And in many ways, to be American is to have traveled this road or at least to have known the hit song, Get Your Kicks, on Route 66. It's part of the American cultural identity. And th then, of course, there are other roadside activities that seem to be distinctly American, be it road trips or tailgating at the big game or stopping at truck stops or, unfortunately, sitting in traffic. All of these things seem to be distinctly American. But perhaps most of all, the most iconic feature of the open road that screams America are things like 
the drive-through restaurant. We've all been to them. You don't have to admit it, but I know that all of us have been to them. Uh, they dot the American landscape. There are well over 200,000 drive-through restaurants in our country. Almost every food chain you can imagine has a drive-through from Burger King and Taco Bell to Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. Even some more quote-unquote upscale places like Starbucks now have their own sets of drive-throughs. Um, nothing says American more than driving up to an intercom, placing an order for a Big Mac and fries, and then inching forward just a little bit and having your lunch handed to you in a bag out a window. That is the American fast food drive-through lunch. Now, a close second to the drive-through experience is the drive-in experience, the drive-in movie experience. Uh, they started actually back in 1933 in Camden, New Jersey. They probably peaked somewhere in the 50s and 60s, although they, they've petered out a decent bit since then. Um, although there still is one here in, Atlanta, in the Atlanta area, this Starlight. Has anyone been to the Starlight Drive-In here in Atlanta? It's down in the southeast off of Moreland uh, Avenue, uh, south of, of, of 20. Um, I remember my first uh, drive-in movie. It was one of those situations where I was way too young to be seeing the movie I was seeing, but I was with my older cousins, and so it all seemed to be okay. But in 1982, we saw Clash of the Titans in the Quaker Town drive-in, and it was a wonderful, I actually still remember it somehow, uh, though I bet my parents wish I didn't. Um, but this experience of driving in your car, uh, rolling down the windows, pulling in that speaker, or setting your uh, FM radio to the right channel and hearing a movie, maybe with the top down, uh, maybe on a date, is an iconic part of American culture. So why in the world am I talking about drive-in movie theaters and drive-through restaurants? Well, I'm glad you asked. As strange as it might sound, many churches in America today are reinventing themselves in the image of the drive-through restaurant or the drive-in movie theater. Yes, that's exactly right. Churches are buying drive-in movie theaters and drive-through restaurants and converting them into a worship space or a type of worship space, if you will. Um, in this sense, the drive-through and drive-in church is literally, is, or I should say, is the most literal form of roadside religion. They're taking something on the road and reappropriating it for something Christian. It's, a, it's a, actually a perfect marriage of Christianity and culture. Or maybe we would quibble over the word perfect, but it's a marriage, nevertheless, of Christianity and culture. So the focus of this session and the next one is to talk about the drive-in and drive-through church phenomenon, why it is such a revolution, what motivates it, what are the desires and goals of those who start these sorts of churches, where do we find them, but then also uh, how do we respond, uh, what sorts of theologies underlie these sorts of churches, and what are the, the values and habits that these sorts of churches reinforce or cultivate among Christians today. But before we can get to any of that, I need to show you some drive-in and drive-through churches. So, pardon the pun, but buckle your seatbelts. Consider, for instance, the Hope United Methodist Church in Voorhees, New Jersey, in that great state of New Jersey. A few years back, they acquired a drive-through, not restaurant, but a drive-through bank. 
and they debated about what they should do with it. They already had a large church building that was uh, good enough on its own, uh, so they weren't looking to replace their, their main church, but they, they wondered what to do with this extra property. And in a, in a meeting of lay leaders, someone jokingly said, let's make it into a drive-through church. Well, they took that joke seriously and eventually converted this bank into a drive-through church. The drive-through was at the corner of a, uh, of a property near a four-way light along a busy street. Um, its hours are five to seven on Thursday, so really actually worse than normal banking hours uh, <laughs> is this church open. Um, but don't despair, the prayer drop is open 24-7, so you can always drive through and drop off a prayer in a slot just like you can run your ATM card. A spokesperson for the church said this, the hope is that people driving past maybe aren't even thinking of going to church, but maybe they decide to swing through to ask for a prayer or share their worries with one of the volunteers staffing the converted church. It's an opportunistic church endeavor. Now, the Hope United uh, Methodist Church is not a singular phenomenon. In fact, many things like this, many variations on the theme, are popping up all over in the American Christian culture. Like, for instance, the Sunrise Worship Center in Lutz, Florida. It specializes in drive-through prayer with complimentary coffee, because what prayer isn't made better with a little bit of Starbucks to go with it? I found this testimonial on their Facebook page from Pastor Tyson Prater. He says, a lady, this is relating a story of someone who used this service, a lady was on her way to the hospital as her husband had just had a heart attack, and she was literally following the ambulance to the hospital, saw our sign, pulled in and asked us to pray for her and her husband. As much as I believe in the power of prayer, I have to admit I would have stuck with the ambulance in that situation. But nevertheless, a drive-through prayer was in order then. Or there's the Martin Luther King Baptist Drive-Through Church in Selma, Alabama. At the Martin Luther King Baptist Drive-Through Church, you're in and out in five minutes guaranteed. You stay in your car the whole time and pull up to five different stations along the way, each station lasting one minute in what is a five-minute service. The first station is a sermon, the second is a Bible study class, the third is a choir song, the fourth is a news update about the congregation and whatnot, and the fifth is the passing of the collection plate for donations, <laughs> of course. Now the advantage of, 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 of this sort of church is that there are actually 75 different start times or worship services every morning, because there are only five minutes. This puts into perspective our current congregation's discussion about whether to have two or three different services in the morning. This church has 75. Interestingly for our point, North Point Ministries, which lies just about 10 miles north of us uh, in the Buckhead area, it's the parent organization of the Buckhead Church and North Point Church and other such churches, uh, they're interested in planning churches in different areas. And I found a quote from one of their church planners, Eddie Johnson, who describes the task of planting a church uh, of the North Point Ministries in Nashville. He says this, just like that Chick-fil-A owner-operated organization, I'm here in Nashville to open up a franchise of North Point Church. I believe in my company and what they are trying to sell. A drive-through church context. Now, maybe you're thinking, look, the drive-through church is not right for me. I'm not gonna, about to change my Sunday mornings and drive through a place. No problem. Perhaps you still might be open to other church-related drive-through services. For instance, don't have time to plan a traditional wedding? 
Tired of hassling with the caterer and the florist? Don't despair. The Little White Chapel in, of course, Las Vegas, Nevada, has a world-famous tunnel of love. There you can get hitched without turning off the ignition. Just drive on up to the wedding window, and in a matter of moments, you'll be pronounced husband and wife. It includes, as you can see here, a romantic cherub ceiling, just to set the right room mood for that special moment. Uh, and they offer several uh, packages. You can get the pink Cadillac package starting at $95, or the cherub's chariot package for $199, which includes complimentary limo, 18 photos, flowers, a garter, and a boutonniere. Or if you just want to use your own car, it's only $75. But in either case, in about five minutes, you can be married. Or then, there's the Michigan Funeral Home that has installed, wait for it, a drive-through window that allows mourners to pay their last respects on the go. And for this, we just have to see the video. This is not made up. This is real stuff. Drive through funeral home. Yeah. They have one in South Carolina. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 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 They're around. And what's shocking about this, or maybe it's not shocking, but just want to name it. This might seem so weird to us, but this is gaining momentum. This isn't a fad that happened is petering out. This this stuff is building. There's more and more of it all the time. So. There's a drive-through wedding, there's a drive-through through funeral, and if it's Lent season, there's also drive-through ashes. Made prominent by Mulholland United Methodist Church in Metairie, just outside of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, you just pull into the parking lot. There are multiple people who can direct your car down the line, and then several ministers administer uh, the ashes all while you are still in the car, as you can see here from the picture. 
This has sparked something of a revolution in the Lenten world. Uh, there's now even a website, www.ashes2go.org, where you can actually look to see where all the places in the country year by year are that offer Ashes on the Go. And it actually turns out that Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in downtown Decatur is one of the sanctioned Ashes to Go sites. So next Lenten season, if you're too busy uh, coming into Ash Wednesday, just drive through Trinity Episcopal Church in downtown Decatur and you can get your Ashes on the go. Now, I have to say, I looked through for drive-through baptisms, but alas, uh, they are not yet available. One can imagine the sort of safety concerns with a drive-through <laughs> baptism. Now, closely related, and let me uh, pick up my pace a tiny bit, are drive-in churches. So they were our drive-through churches. Now there are also such things as drive-in churches, and they are exactly what they sound like. Drive-through movie theaters mostly being reconverted into Christian worship centers. The earliest example was created by Reverend Robert Schuler. Some of you might know him uh, from the Hour of Power uh, uh, radio uh, or a TV um, uh, program which began in 1970 and I think is either still going or has just ended, or his famous uh, Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. Uh, but what he originally was known for in 1955 was that he was commissioned to plant a church in Garden Grove, California. And it was only $500, so what he did is that he rented out a drive-in movie theater and preached from the roof of the snack bar as cars came in. Well, this idea took off, so finally when he had enough money to buy some property and actually make a building, he still kept the drive-in model. So by the time he had his church, he could accommodate over 500 cars each Sunday driving in for their church experience. Well, Schuler's idea sparked other churches. For instance, there's the Daytona Beach uh, uh, Church. It, it's a Disciples of Christ Church in Daytona Beach. They offer an indoor worship experience in their Friendship Hall, located in the center of the property, but they also offer the drive-in experience. Now, there's no screen in this particular church as there is with Robert Schuler's church, but what you do is uh, you can actually see the choir um, and the pastor and everyone else are on the second floor balcony here. And so you don't see them really well, but you can hear. They used to have these speakers that you can pull into the car, but now they have an, you can tune into 88.5 FM and hear the whole service with your windows up and perhaps your air conditioning on. It is Daytona Beach, after all. On communion days, a tiny single serving communion package is given out to each car as it pulls up, and then you administer it to yourself uh, when the appropriate time in the service comes up. Um, on a much smaller scale, scale is the Woodland Drive Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was directly inspired by Schuler and opened in 1972. It really has much of the same philosophy as these other churches, but the reason I'm highlighting it here is that I love their logo. Check it out. If you can't read it, it says, objects in, a, in mirror are closer than they appear. And of course, that's Jesus' face uh, right there. Now, uh, finally, uh, a subcategory of the drive-in church is what I call the movie theater church. Instead of bringing church to the movies, as in the drive-in model, the movie theater church brings the theatrics of the movie into the church itself. The parade example is Willow Creek Church in South Barrington, Illinois, which is a small suburb of Chicago. Has anyone heard of the Willow Creek Church? Lisa, you have, a couple of you have. Um, 
you've been there. I've been there myself, actually, um, a couple years back. It is an enormous uh, non-denominational megachurch. Uh, I think, uh, by estimates, it's either the second or third largest uh, church in the country. It has several different locations, but the, uh, the South Barrington location is the largest. Uh, you can see here, this is, the, this is the stage. This is what you look at when you come to Willow Creek to worship on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's founded by Bill Hybels in 1975, and he still is there, although there are a number of other pastors. Guess how many people attend just in this location? Uh, they have three services, only three services, not 75, three. Guess how many people attend in total each week? 15,000? 26,000 people attend there weekly. It helps that they have uh, an over 7,000 seating capacity in their sanctuary. To put that in uh, some perspective, that's twice as large as the Dolby Theater in Hollywood where the Oscars are filmed. Their chapel, their small chapel, that's not the major service, the, the small chapel seats 800. To put that in perspective, that's larger than the First Presbyterian main sanctuary. This is a large capacity church. To be inside actually feels like you're in a theater. They have stadium-style seating, as you can still hear, see here. They have an elaborate 95-foot-wide stage. It's dominated by screens and cameras. There's two 14-by-24-foot LED screens. The back rows have 62-inch LED screens, one per every 10 seats. There's 8 to 12 HD cameras uh, that are rotating throughout the room and 481 light fixtures. Uh, it is truly an incredible performance. I'm going to show you actually just a, a quick snapshot here of, um, of what a morning worship service, uh, how, it, how it begins. Sorry, let me, uh, there we go. Get out of this. This is how uh, morning worship begins at Willow Creek. I'm going to stop there. Um, 
I think you get a small sense of what worship is like. By the way, that lasts for about 25 minutes. Not that song in particular, uh, although it does last long. I've listened to it. Um, and I like it, actually, a lot. Uh, but the worship, that worship lasts 25 minutes, and then there is a 55-0-minute sermon, and then you're done. That's worship at Willow Creek. Now, there's much, much, much more to say about all of these things. And at this point, I want to, re- I want to reserve any judgment about whether this is good or bad. I just want to acknowledge at this point that for most in our audience, whether here or, or listening, this stuff is probably a bit different. This probably does not look like your Sunday morning. You probably don't go to a drive-in or a drive through church, and worship probably doesn't look like that. So what do we do about all of this? Why should we care? Why should we study it? Why should we think critically and, and I would say charitably, about these forms of church? Well, for one, as I've already mentioned, the drive-in and drive through church revolution is here to stay in American Christian culture. So even if we don't like it, it's here, and you, if you don't go to this church, you'll know someone who does soon enough. That's the first reason. The second reason I think that we should care is that I believe that fundamentally the form of a church reveals something about its function. The form of a church reveals something about its function. In most cases, what the church looks like conveys something about what it is supposed to be and who it is supposed to be for. A more technical and theological way of putting this is this. Appearance mirrors ecclesiology. Appearance mirrors ecclesiology. Now, what is ecclesiology? Uh, ecclesiology uh, is a th- is, refers to theologies or doctrines related to the nature and the purpose of church. How we look as a church mirrors what we believe the church is to be and do in the world. And so for that reason, we should be curious about the form of any church, whether it's a big steeple church or a small humble house church or a converted cafeteria in a high school or some of the things that we've thought about here. This, this idea that appearance mirrors ecclesiology doesn't just apply to drive-in and drive through churches. It applies to this sort of building that we're in tonight, a big steeple urban church. It applies to any sort of church. Now, we're going to think through this with respect to the drive-in and drive-throughs, but I really hope it is a paradigm that's helpful for you as you think about a lot of things in a church. Why does your church have a cross, not a crucifix? Why does your church have or don't have an altar? Why does your church have or don't have an open Bible? Why does your church have or don't have stained glass mirrors? All of those things aren't purely aesthetic. I would say they are purely ecclesiological at some level. So this is what I want to do with the remainder of our time, is to think about how does the form of these churches reveal and then also uh, impart certain values, beliefs, and theologies. I have a lot to say about that, or at least one session's worth of stuff to say about that. But I want to actually get you guys started uh, in thinking uh, through some of this stuff. So uh, as we do from time to time in this course, we have a TAPS exercise, a talking aloud partner sharing exercise. And uh, here's what I want to get you talking about. It's actually a question in two parts, so you actually feel, to, uh, feel free to pick and choose which parts you want to answer. But here's essentially the question. What needs, what needs are drive-through restaurants and drive-in movies trying to meet? So note that I'm not talking about churches here. I'm going back to the restaurants and the, and the movies. What needs are they trying to meet, right? They came into existence for some reason. What are they? What are they trying to do? And then second, what values or habits do they end up reinforcing 
by meeting those needs. So you might think of the first part of the question as what's its motivation? Why is it there? What's it trying to do? And the second part of the question is its effects. What does it end up doing? What values or habits does it reinforce? So what I want you to do is uh, take about, um, about five minutes or so to talk about that with a partner. We'll come back together, share a few ideas, uh, and then we'll draw this session to a close. And in the next session, we'll kind of lay out more of a theological roadmap, pun intended, for how we might think about uh, what's, what we might like about these forms of church and then also what we might want to push back on. So go ahead and turn in your groups of two or three uh, and, and try to wrestle with these questions for a bit. Good to go? Good so far? Yeah. All right, okay. They don't teach you about this stuff in seminary. <laughs> I know. I wanted to do a whole course on these sorts of things. Oh, yeah? Because I just took occasional services. Yeah weddings and funerals, uh -huh. and we spent a lot of time looking at new funeral ideas. Yeah, yeah, this is, an, it's, it's something. She and <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen this stuff at all? Have you? Uh, drive, drive in historic churches, yes. Yeah. Drive through funerals? Yeah, that's, that's, that's even that's further that's out there. Yeah. That's that even further really out there. Yeah. Different. Yes. Yeah, it's, the Ash um, Wednesday stuff has become really big. It really has. Really I didn't know about it before this. I started Drew prepping for this. Presbyterian did it this oh, year. did they really? Sarah R. Really? And um, Holly Reimer. Yeah. Did it oh, that's on great. The street, on Interesting. With um, homeless and yeah, yeah, by. yeah. As a that's very cool. As, as that's a, very cool. As a way of yeah. Well, of all Neat. the things in that grouping, that almost makes the most sense. It does. To yeah, me I think it's that's right. And, about, and it usually is something that you come and do at noon time or in yep. the evening. Yep. Yep. And it's kind of a cool idea to have people out on the street and sharing that experience and that. And you and you take it with you too, right? Yeah, like yeah, you, you, you. So it doesn't maybe matter as much where you get it. It's matter right. that you bear right. this mark yeah. as a, as a sign of your Christian yeah. identity yeah. in this moment. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, on the street, walking up and having the ashes yeah. yep. heard. I like yep. that idea. Yep. That one makes me the most comfortable. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 It's a rain. It's, it's a continuum of comfortability. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. yeah keep going. How's it going? Good. <laughs> Have you guys seen this stuff before? Is this all pretty? Pretty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, did they really? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Huh. Okay. So no longer a franchise. A franchise tag has been rescinded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. 
That's interesting difference. Yeah. Yep. That's right. That's right. Oh, I need to bring this back. Okay, friends, let me invite you to come back together. Let me invite you to come back together. We're going to have a chance to have a break in just a moment, but I wanted to see, um, I wanted to see, uh, so I hope you've had some time to think about that, uh, the question, uh, these two questions that we posed. Um, and I wanted to see if we can get some feedback from the group, just some observations, particularly about the first question first. What needs are these drive through restaurants or drive-in movies trying to meet? What's their motivations? Time-saver. Time-saver. That's a huge one. That's right. Time-saver. Don't have to dress up so there's a convenience level. And they don't have to meet and greet. Don't have to meet and greet, right? It, cheaper? Yeah, it could be cheaper. Uh-huh. No cooking, right? They, they're all offer a simplified experience, in a sense, right? Although in slightly different ways, I think. Um, anything else? Yeah, it's a grab and go. It's easier. It's less time. It's less effort in many ways. That's right. So it offers variety. At least the drive-through does. The drive-in, you're all kind of stuck with the same thing. But, but even then, you can you have the comfort of your own car to kind of manage your drive-through or drive-in experience. But the drive-through, especially, is uh, have it what's uh, have it your way right away. Uh, one of the mottos. I forget which restaurant now. Uh, um, yeah. Efficiency. Yep. Yep. We're busy people. We got things to do, and church is one of them, so let's get it off our list. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, so it's very, um, it's your space. Yeah, it, it's, it's more of a private than corporate or an individual rather than communal experience. Yeah. Vertical. So is that a good thing? That would be an interesting question, right? So it's kind of factoring out. The, the human relationship. So maybe you see that as a positive. Maybe it, 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 it lends toward a, a heightened focus on the experience of the divine. But I think for others, it might take away from that, also too. Voids community. voids community. That's right. And so I, I'm hearing already the things we're saying. We've already merged into, into B, right? They're, they're also inculcating and reinforcing these habits of individualism, have it your way right away, uh, efficiency, all these sorts of things. I mean, they're... They are needs that drive the market in a certain sense, but then by having these options, you reinforce the very values and habits that led to the need in the first place. Now, there's more to be said about all of this for sure, and I hope that you'll continue uh, to think about it. But here, of course, is the point for our session. I want to ask these same two questions about the drive-in and the drive-through 
church? That is, what are their needs, or what needs are they trying to meet? What are their motivations? And then what values and habits are they reinforcing, whether intentionally or not? And it might well be unintentional. There might be some collateral damage, in a certain sense, of these artifacts of faith. But they're the two questions we're going to turn to with respect to the drive-through church and the drive-in church at the beginning of our next session.